Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 161, From Imposter Syndrome to Arrogance. Knowing when to step back. Presented by Kiva Fecto, Beth Rimmels, Doug Levinowski, James Dagg, and Nicole Perry. All right, so we're here to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a, a kind of serious topic, I guess. We don't have to treat it necessarily really seriously. We don't have to not laugh. But there's, there are some serious components to this that, that can help people fail if they approach this whole experience the wrong way. So we're talking about imposter syndrome, and we're also talking about arrogance. And if you look at arrogance, then you might look at a continuum between arrogance and maybe humility. And I would say that humility still presumes that you know something about the subject and you can rate yourself on some scale. Whereas imposter syndrome, you tend to go off the scale and say, I'm not even worthy of being on that scale. So we're going to talk about what, what the differences between those are. It's really two different things, who tends to fit in which groups, and what, what we can do about things like that. So I'm going to let my panelists, I'm, I'm Kiva Fecto, I'm going to just mostly moderate this <coughs> and kind of like give it some function, make sure we stay on time, because we're all tired, right? <laughs> um, but I'm going to let my panelists introduce themselves and uh, say something about who you are and what your role is in the community. Sure. Uh, I'm Doug Lewandowski. I am a board game and role-playing game designer. Uh, and my role in the community is in the design aspect and um, to some extent uh, in the sort of community outreach thing with Northeast Nerd Night, uh, which is an idea I stole from DFW Nerd Night, uh, in the, but instead of in Dallas-Fort Worth, in PA and NJ. Uh, my name is Nicole Perry. I am the operations manager of Jellybean Games. Um, as far as the community, I um, help found it, um, a company called Twist Gaming, which does live board game streaming uh, on Twitch. We're one of the, the biggest uh, partnered board game streamers. And we help bring attention to new upcoming and Kickstarter games. <coughs> Hi, I'm Beth Rimmels. I'm game designer of the game Awesome Eights uh, for Rising Stars Press. Um, I'm also social media marketing manager, and I guess in the community, I'm mostly like a cheerleader, I guess people <laughs> would agree with. I also have a past as a life coach that will come in handy for this panel. <laughs> uh, my name is Jim Dagg. Uh, my imprint is Saddle Shaped Games, under which I've published an action role-playing game called Just Got Real, as well as uh, with a group of folks... Uh, edited by Dan Enders, a charity bundle for the ACLU called Two Weeks, which was related to uh, venting feelings after the wake of the presidential election. Um, and my role in the community, much like Beth, is largely try to be a source of positivity and inclusion where possible. Okay. And so I'm, I'm Kiva Fecto. I am one half of the design team of Shadow Song Industries. Uh, we're, we're both imposters. We don't have anything published yet. <laughs> We've been working at this for about five and a half years. We've got things out with different publishers. Uh, hopefully one being published in the next year. We also do some 
game analytics for publishers and designers to help people break the games and then fix them in better ways. And the reason I'm leading this panel is because our, our dear Abby pressured me into being the wise mentor and mo role model and putting my voice out, <coughs> even though I'm an introvert, to like get people together and do things and let people know who you are and, and don't be a, and don't pretend you're an imposter. So, so I'm going to interrupt here for a split second <laughs> because talking about imposter syndrome, showing a little bit. Kiva, once you get to know Kiva, okay, you will be talking about anything, and she will just suddenly pop in with a comment where she just basically drops a bomb of wisdom, yep. and like, oh, holy crap, you're absolutely <coughs> right. So, yeah, there's a reason why Abby tapped you. <laughs> and part of my bomb of wisdom is bringing otherwise people along with me to <laughs> entertain you and and inform you. Doug brought me here. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of things are his fault, you know. So. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> You're not both wearing purple, so I don't, I don't know if I can accept that. <laughs> okay, so let's start at the arrogance side of things. I mean, imposter syndrome is big, and that's what I hear most about. But I want to start at the, at the arrogance side of things. So who is it that, in this community especially, that we see being the most arrogant? I would say it's probably the newest members of the community, mm. those who, who maybe have... I'm just going to draw some. Okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, oh, here's some. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Well, I'll leave them here. In case you're Sorry. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where, I, where I've seen arrogance is usually in some of the newest people, right? The designers who are out there with their first time game, and you sit down. They come to a, something like Metatopia, and they say, hey, I'm here for, to get your feedback and to show my game. Let's go. Like, oh, what kind of feedback do you want? Oh, nothing really. The work, game's working exactly the way that I wanted to. I've played it three times with my family and friends, and it's perfect, and I'm going to kickstart it next week. And you say, okay, um, if you don't really want any feedback, why are you here? And I saw some things wrong with the game, but you haven't let me tell you anything about those, so what do we do with that? What are your experiences with with people with arrogance issues sometimes in our community? Oh, well, like, I, again, similar to what you said, there was somebody who was here last year who showed up with a game that, yes, had been play-tested a bit, but the game's simply a reskin <coughs> of a well-established game um, for a specific setting, and kept telling people about his all-new original game! And no, you just added a setting to it. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely a bit of arrogance. And again, he also, in case you haven't figured it out, there is a little bit of a, I don't want to say a game to Metatopia, but it's a reciprocal environment. And if you're just walking around all the time telling everybody how fantastic you are and you're not showing any interest in anyone else, people aren't going to care after a while because it's about reciprocity and getting excited and helping other people and giving good feedback as well as getting feedback. So. Um, I'll often encounter uh, uh, actually uh, playtesters who will attempt to give feedback and will often talk over others as though their yeah. voice was the wise voice, the only voice, the smartest voice in the room, and what you have to say is only relevant insofar as they can add to or uh, you know build off of that. Uh, I regrettably admit I have had I have been that person from time to time. It is a skill you quickly or un quickly unlearn here. Mm -hmm. Um, go ahead. Two Metatopias ago, I had... <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, playtested a game that was a, a trick-taking game I was working on um, that never wound up going anywhere. Um, but the one of the playtesters came up to me afterwards and said, the next morning, and said, I have good news. Said, okay. Said, I have, and this is a direct quote, I have fixed your game to perfection. 
<laughs> the first thing you need to do is it should be about cheerleaders. Like in really skimpy outfits. I was like, we're done here. We're good. Thanks. Cheers. Um, yeah, uh, and gave a bunch of really bad suggestions uh, to make a mediocre game terrible. Um, I, I like your game, except it should be a completely different game. Right. I like your game, except it should be Ticket to Ride. Um, hey, I had a playtester, not here, because th I don't think this would happen here, but I had a playtester at home who basically told me, because my game is a multi-genre game, uh, RPG, who basically said, well, first of all, there's too many RPGs on the market. <laughs> <laughs> Second... There's already too many multi-system RPGs or generic system RPGs, whichever term you used it, both apply. You know, RPGs in there. And they're all better than anything you could ever make. <laughs> and then turned around and said, so you need to quit now. And I'm like, well, that's your opinion, and that's why. He stood for five minutes, because everybody else who was in the game store was shocked. Five minutes was badgering me. No, you need to quit. You have to stop. And I'm like, I get to say how I spend my... No, you have to stop working on game design. Like, he was personally offended as to how I spend my free time. So, yeah, it was like, what the... So what, so what drives the arrogance? I mean, it could be that you're really better than everybody else. Or it could be that you really think that you're better than anybody else. Or it could be that you're fronting something. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how many of you... This is what I was drawing. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect. But this explains life. But we don't yeah, can we, can yeah, we sorry, see it? Yeah, can we hold it so back for a we'll second? We'll take a look at this first. No, okay. No. Oh, look at Thank that. you. Yes, okay. okay. Awesome. Um, and so research, I believe, is at Cornell in the late 90s or early 80s, um, found that uh, that graph holds true, that minimal experience with something leads people to believe that they're experts in something because you don't understand the fringe cases because you get a little bit of knowledge and you think you know it's brilliant and then you're at the very top of what I tell my students is Mount Stupid um, and then rapidly tumble down into the valley of despair once you get a little bit more knowledge and realize oh man I don't know shit about this <laughs> um, and then gradually work your way back up um, but you know you'll have uh, people working for the you know United States Geologic Survey who <coughs> wouldn't say they know as much as a first year undergrad in geology. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I, I think a big part of it is not having seen all the things they don't know to mm -hmm. be able to realize that even if I feel like I know this, this, and this, there's probably 80 fringe cases that would just blow that out of the water. So. Well, I think sometimes it can go past that. Like there are some, there's particular people in the community that I know that that acknowledges that they're not as big as they are, but they pretend to be bigger because mm -hmm. they think other people will feed off of that and believe mm -hmm. it. Yep. And I observe it having the complete opposite effect. Well, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. So, what are the outcomes <coughs> of, of arrogance? Well, yeah. Well, sometimes like the the imposter syndrome. Well, arrogance is covering up imposter syndrome. Or the other... I'm sorry, I'm not... It's, I haven't had enough caffeine yet for this time of night. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Never mind. Ignore that. Jim, um, <laughs> so, cover four. So let's... Uh, I mean, let's talk about uh, the person who was... Like, an arrogant playtester, right? Yes. They give you feedback. They are the right person. Their feedback is right. Uh, and they've fixed your game. 
all of that feedback is completely useless. Like yes. that they, they, they are they have profoundly wasted your time and theirs by thinking they know everything. Um, an arrogant game designer doesn't listen to feedback. Right. They they ask for feedback. They might get useful feedback and then choose to ignore it. They've learned nothing, and so they continue to waste time and people, both theirs and others. Yep. Yeah, I've been in scenarios where a game designer has acknowledged that it's good feedback, and then have talked themselves around it mm -hmm. to yep. have decided that no, it's good the way it is. Right. Yeah. All right, so it takes longer to find and fix problems if you have an arrogance problem, or if you're faced with somebody who's arrogant who's coming at you, and uh, especially if they're the, your only play tester, and that's that's why you don't play test just in your friends and family because they either know everything or know nothing, mm -hmm. <laughs> think it's great or think it's awful. So you need to get it out to much many more play testers and a wider uh, breadth of types of play testers, especially other designers too. That helps a lot. Um, because they're not invested as much in themselves as they are now trying to help you with your game. And so that can help a lot. Uh, it's harder to form partnerships, too. I mean, playtesters you had, how many people are going to want to invite that person along to be playtesters at <laughs> anything else ever again? Right. Right. And, and you're going you're gonna to be telling people, no, 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 don't go near that person, don't listen to that person. It's going to be a complete waste of your time. So, yeah. Um, so what are some ways to get past arrogance? Keep doing it. Realize that you don't know nearly as much as you think you know. But that's for the sort of like Dunning-Kruger transient arrogance, not the kind that, that you were talking about. Yeah, because you have to be willing to listen. Yeah, yeah a lot of the time arrogant people just, it doesn't matter what they what you say to them, they're never going to learn. And what I was trying to say before but said so badly <laughs> is that um, arrogance does most of the time cover up a certain level of insecurity, but it's not necessarily imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome usually is that you're not acknowledging what you do know. So we're sure we're going to get to that. But generally, if you scratch the surface among somebody who is presenting as very arrogant, it's usually they're covering up insecurities. Um, there's there's a there's a great quote. You have two e two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion. Mm -hmm. um, a lot, lot, lot of the best way to push past that. You know, Mount was it Mount Stupid? Mount Stupid. <laughs> Listen, 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 and once you're done listening, find new people and listen to them too, because you don't know what you don't know. And I think it's important to distinguish between an arrogant person and arrogance, because one is, I mean, both are, are fixable. One is relatively easy to fix, right? Someone who's suffering from arrogance, when they realize what they don't know, mm -hmm. will likely change. An arrogant person who is arrogant to their core is less likely to change in that respect. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, one of my favorite philosophers has an aphorism that rotten wood cannot be carved, right? Um, and so someone who is just genuinely arrogant to their core, no amount of gentle redirection or aggressive redirection <laughs> is gonna, what's that? Two by four. Or two by fours is gonna get them to not be arrogant. The two by four might get them to stop talking for a while, but yeah, it's not. <coughs> arrogant redirection of, or, uh, sorry, uh, redirection of kinetic energy, aggressive redirection of kinetic energy. Right. Right. right, so some of the ways that we can help is, so if it's us that are being arrogant, right, then we hopefully have somebody that's around that we trust enough to hit us with that two by four enough that we <laughs> wake up and start doing that. So uh, we can do that sometimes for other people who are arrogant too. and invest in finding somebody that they'll actually listen to, somebody that they respect, who can tell them the same thing that we're trying to tell them and not being listened to. Mm. So that can, uh, persistence will sometimes help. Sometimes 
not cornering somebody in a public <coughs> venue and say, hey, you're arrogant, by the way, <laughs> but taking them offline and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing, and this is how it's not helping, and I'm not going to invite you to do these things anymore because of this. If you really want to be a help, then these are th- some things that you can do. Um, when, if you don't mind me uh, yeah. giving you a little bit of an uh, interlude here, uh, when I was that arrogant playtester I was just describing mm-hmm. earlier, uh, I was taken aside and told, look, you are a jerk, here's how. When, when you, you screw up, when you are arrogant, when you don't, don't mean to be, and it's going to happen, you've made a mistake, take steps to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then once you've taken steps to fix it, learn from it so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, again, listen, learn, fix, move on. Mm-hmm. And then if you do run into those arrogant people, like Doug was talking about, shunning them and just, no, you're not going to be part of this anymore probably the only way to deal with it, rather than letting them take up the time of everybody else in the room, everybody else in the group who really is trying to help, whose feedback is valuable to you because they're, they're looking at what you actually need out of the experience rather than just trying to hear their own voices. But being completely honest with them about why you are. That, mm-hmm. you know, um, if I say, you know, Kiva, I, I understand that you're trying to, you know, help us with this, but mm-hmm. you did... Yeah. You know, these very tangible things. You know, when Alf was talking, you said, no, that's stupid, shut up. Well, it was. Well, <laughs> sorry, bad example. Okay. Um, <laughs> Alf is my design partner. You know, we have a good relationship. Very good. It's also competitive. <laughs> um, I think most good design relationships, but that's another <laughs> Um But, uh, you know, not just saying, like, not just not inviting them anymore, but being very clear about here are the issues and here's why. Um, because I am fairly optimistic about human behavior and and how few people are actually are actually rotten wood. Some people are um, just truly arrogant to their core, though. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. well, being honest is the right thing to do. Like uh, I've been in a situation where I've had to confront someone about it, and it's very uncomfortable for me being an introvert and a, a non-confrontational person in general. Mm-hmm. And you know, as an arrogant person, they turned around, made it about me. I'm an awful person. Why would I say these things? You know, how could I not see that they're trying to help? And sometimes you just have to distance yourself and accept that they may not see it the way you do, and that's going to be okay. Sure. Any of you have experience with with impo- with uh, not imposter syndrome yet? Ar- arrogance, either people that you've had in your circles that have been arrogant that you've had to deal with, and I mean, I've played some not here. I mean, I just got here, but <coughs> play tested, let's say, some really bad games from my experience, and then I'm kind of in that space where it's like, is the designer just full of himself and he thinks that he's putting it on me, or am I the terrible person because I'm so unwilling to be like? I mean, you know, I will try to find the good things about the aspect. I don't think I'm mean about games, but a lot of times I'm just like immediately kind of like, oh, I, I have identified the core problem with this, and now, you know, so which is which is it? Is it am I the arrogant one, or are they being arrogant because like, wow, they haven't really polished this game and they're dropping on me and pretending like in a way that they did, or am I just a jerk for not being completely supportive and be like, well, I felt like I had no choices for the last hour and a half, but it was. Uh, <laughs> You know, good. For, you know, like here's the one thing you can change. Maybe you can make some choices in there, and then I'll enjoy it. Like mm. it's hard. But I like your theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you use purple. I love purple. That's great. <laughs> well, um, just the fact that you're doing some self-reflection on that, and wondering is it me or is it them, means that it's probably not you. <laughs> it's no guarantee, but you know, it's probably the case. 
which I do want to give a little tip here that actually a uh, one of my trainers when I was a life coach said, which is if you worry all the time about am I being too egotistical, you never have to worry about being egotistical because the people who are truly egotistical never ask that question. That's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, thoughts like that, like, well, I, I haven't had um, – anything to do for the last half hour you're thinking that for a reason and whoever this person sells to this game whether it's on Kickstarter or whatever their customers are going to think that so you not saying anything does not help so I mean I don't think that even if you know it's not 100% right either way you definitely should say how you're feeling because there's a reason for it I mean in one of my favorite little aphorisms about playtesting is if someone says something if someone says something is broken they're almost always right if they tell you how to fix it they're almost always wrong yeah. <laughs> oh that's real good hmm. i like that let's jump if we might since we're about halfway mark already see you've already stayed awake this long thank you so much <laughs> that's way cool let's let's jump to the other side for Im- imposter syndrome and Okay, well, first question for everybody, I guess, is who's who has ever suffered from this? Pretty much everybody but Ben. No. Pretty much what I expected. Not, not Way to go, Ben! Oh. Our, our, uh, our light in, sh- in, in the darkness here, how, how to not... <laughs> oh, God, I've been waiting to tell this story all night. All right, go for it. Um, so when uh, Beth and I were having a conversation about, you know, some of our feelings of imposter syndrome and wanting to back each other up, Kiva approached us and said, hey, do you want to be part of this panel? Mm-hmm. And I said to her, yes, that would be lovely, although I'm not sure what I could add. <laughs> and if having imposter syndrome about a pan- being on a panel about imposter syndrome is not the most yo-dog experience <laughs> someone could have I would love to know what is I was having I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you I was having means. a freak out like half an hour before I'm like what am I going to yeah. say and my business partner's like you're having a freak out about having imposter syndrome because you don't know what to say talk about that and when he did his was it you or me who went ding 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 <laughs> By the way, if, yeah, okay, if by the way, if it makes you feel any better, lots of famous people have imposter syndrome, including to this day Neil Gaiman. Awesome. Yeah. No, he still he work could be better. Let's be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I fixed all of it, right? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but no, but seriously, he to this day he still feels he has imposter syndrome and still also has this fear that one day somebody is going to knock on the door and say, "Are you Neil Gaiman?" Yes. And you make up stories for a living? Yes. Okay, that's over. <laughs> and that his career will just end. You're a fraud. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. Bye. Yeah. So if you have imposter syndrome, you're in good company. So I want to talk a little bit about why it is that we have imposter syndrome, especially in this particular venue. So it's not necessarily Neil Gaiman. Um, he's a writer. We all kind of know what writers do. We know what, what books are, what stories are. Uh, there are different ways to measure how good a story is, but in this industry, there are a lot of things that are really hard to measure or that don't get measured. Um, how do you measure your success in a field where most people that work in it, in whatever way, don't actually have salaries, don't actually have corporate titles, where <coughs> bad games can be really hugely popular? How do you measure yours against a Kickstarter that makes millions of dollars, or you know, selling potato salad, or <laughs> exploding kittens? I, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, there are successes out there, but you measure them lots of different ways. How do you measure yourself against those things? 
uh, when the span of creative content that you're, you're making, whether it's a podcast or a game, uh, especially like an RPG or e even a card game, a simple card game can take years. From the time you first have that first conjecture, that spark of what is this, to the time that you've play tested it more than a, in like a week or two, because it's, it's awesome and everybody should play this. And then by the time a publisher gets it, and then it takes them a few years to put it out there. So how do you measure yourself against that when other people and other corporate structures are doing things like this constantly? and they have regular reviews, and you can tell how well they're doing. What do we have to measure ourselves against, and, and how do we decide what's, what makes us good, or what makes us enough? I think, so this is something um, somebody said to me the other day, uh, and I'm not going to use any names because I didn't ask them if I could share this anecdote, but um, somebody was talking to me about their feelings of imposter syndrome and said, I, I come to these things, and I hang out with people like... You know, this person, this person, this person, you, this person, this person, this person. This. I'm not really in the category with those other people, but okay. Um, and, and you're all so much more successful than I am. Why am I getting to hang out with you? That doesn't make sense, and that makes me feel like, feel less than. Um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's a big part of it, too, that the game design community especially at Metatopia, is so much of a community that if I can sit down and have a conversation with you know, any number of people who have been here um, who are famous and established and get their feedback on my game, like, who the hell am I to do that? Um, and I, I think in a lot of industries, there's the barrier of entry to, you have to prove yourself before you get to hang out with these people. You have to prove yourself before you get to hang out with these people. You have to level up, right? Um, whereas here, like the first Metatopia I came to, I had a 20 minute conversation with James Ernest. So, okay. Um, I was about here, so I didn't get a lot of what he was saying. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's an added issue with it as well. Um. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think uh, the biggest problem I typically have with imposter syndrome is I don't show up. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. There's no way I could possibly accomplish this, so I don't bother. You know, you've walked in the door with your precious baby at Metatopia. You are absolutely a game designer. You have shown up. That's like 90% of the process. Mm -hmm. Which I want to jump in for something with that real fast because if you don't mind, I'll share a quote. Um, there's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that I love and I try to keep in mind for when imposter syndrome kicks up or any kind of insecurities or whatever. But Teddy Roosevelt wrote once, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, who great, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the end knows, I mean, sorry, who, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who, ne who, who neither know victory nor defeat. So, 
if you're in the arena, if you are a game designer and you have walked in the door here and you are willing to attend panels and try to learn something, if you are willing to listen to playtest feedback, you're in the arena. Pat yourself on the fucking back because you are willing to do something most people don't. And you see, you look around and you see every last one of the, the designer folks here, everyone who has the word professional on their badge, every last one of them has been there. I just play tested a game for somebody who does this for a living. This is literally their job. They are collecting money to do this. And as soon as I finished, I said, hey, do you want feedback? You know, do you want me to email you feedback? Do you want me to call? They called me and went, oh my God, did you like it? <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Was it? Was it? Because you're like, really? And it was, you know, it, it doesn't go away. Like, that's so right. true. Yeah. Right. And that's where that's where the imposter syndrome comes in. And look, you're going to have to deal with it. I'm not sure if anybody ever gets over it. Neil Gaiman hasn't gotten over it. Okay. <laughs> but, like I said, if you're in the arena, you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And don't, well, first of all, don't set false expectations for yourself. Don't think that my game has taken this long to develop, so therefore I'm a failure. Or I'm only at this stage. Or I've only done this. You know what you're working at. If you're willing to keep working at and keep learning and keep growing and keep listening and keep trying to improve, you'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's more important to measure yourself against where you've been yeah. and how you're growing mm-hmm. than against everyone else because you're never gonna make a, an accurate comparison. That's a really good thought. I used to, uh, back many decades ago, I used to play racquetball, and I played against uh, at least one guy who was I thought was really awesomely good at it, and I knew I was gonna lose if I played him. And so I just started measuring myself against myself, and like, hey, I made a run for that one ball. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I got two points this game, yay! And so you know, I kept feeling like I was better, so I was measuring myself and my improvement. I didn't care anymore if I beat him. It wasn't about that. I wasn't going into the game to beat him. I was going in to get some exercise, to hang out with friends, and I was seeing how much better I was getting because I was measuring myself against myself. Which actually goes back to your point from earlier when you were saying, how do you define success in industry as strange as the game industry? Where even some really successful people may still have day jobs for whatever reason, um, or yeah, any number of reasons why this industry is, we love it, but it's odd. Um, And I find this is important for anything, not just working in the game industry. Sometime, sit down, have a little talk with yourself, and define your definition of success. Because your definition versus yours versus yours versus yours versus yours and so forth is not going to be the same. Okay, And that doesn't just apply to the game industry. That applies to anything. Think of how many people who reached the top of their profession, wherever that was, and then quit because they were miserable. Because odds are they were chasing something that they really didn't want. They didn't want to be maybe the head of the company with all the pressure. Sure, they had the perks, but then they had all that weight on their shoulders. And all of a sudden, they switch gears into something else that completely different. But the fact they have free time or time with their families or that they can shut their phone off at 5 o'clock at night and know nobody's going to bother them or whatever it is. So take some time and figure out what your definition of success is in general as well as for what you're doing in the game industry. There is somebody who works in the game industry, um, which I, I won't name, um, but his definition of success is that people play his game. He doesn't care if he sells copies of his game. Okay. Well, maybe he does. No, he doesn't. He really doesn't. If oh. one person buys it, and a group of six plays, he is completely happy. And he doesn't care about sales at all. He wants to know who is playing his game 
which okay if that makes him happy that's fine he doesn't need the money he's got a six-figure job but yeah so find out what your definition of success is for life in general and for game design and and pursue that I would actually take it one step further then once you've defined what you think your definition of success is decide whether it's realistic yes a lot of people in in our industry the definition of success is I want to sell a game and I want it to make a huge amount of money and I want to be able to quit my day job and live solely off of designing games and yet almost all of I mean that's what I well okay I have quit my real job but that's because I'm old enough to do that so I don't have to worry about that um, but to a lot of people that's that's what the, what the goal is. That's what they want to do. And are they ever going to be successful at that? Most since I've been in, in this community, most of the uh, advice that I've gotten from people is don't quit your day job. You're not going to make that much money at this. If you sell a game to a publisher, you're going to get a royalty, sure, but it's going to be a pittance. You're going to get maybe a few hundred dollars a year. Maybe buy a beer a couple times a year for yourself. Um, if you do really well at it, okay, well, yeah, okay, I want to have more control. I want to go Kickstarter. Okay, but most of your money is going to go back out toward making the game and delivering the game, especially if postal rates go up unexpectedly or, <laughs> or a ship com- shipping company goes bankrupt and your, ship, your games are out at sea someplace or China shuts down factories for pollution standards, you know, whatever it is. Decide whether your goals are actually realistic. Uh, and you can be a lot happier if you decide, well, okay, I may not get rich at this, but am I going to have fun doing this? Am I going to meet a lot of really cool people doing this? Am I going to have more people play my game and say, oh, yeah, this is really fun. I, I love doing that kind of thing. And, yeah, maybe you could still have a goal that, yeah, I would really like to quit my day job. It doesn't mean that you can't stop doing that, but then you have this creative tension between where you are and out there, and you know that you may not ever get there, but it's going to keep drawing you forward. And that's what's really important, I think. And enjoy the process. Don't just keep fixating on the result. Enjoy the process as much as you can and let that be part of your success. You'll be much happier. So what are some of the other possible harmful outcomes of imposter syndrome? I mean, Jim talked about possibly not even being on this panel when I asked him about that, right? So what are the other negative effects of having imposter syndrome? I, mean, I, I can name one other <laughs> while, while you're thinking about it. There's a whole community of people that, that Beth and I are part of that we're kind of watching other people, especially if it's their first time to Metatopia. A lot of people are freaking out about being here. Mm-hmm. Some people say, no, I, I, oh, no, I just couldn't possibly go. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. make it. A lot of people, we're hand-holding huge numbers of people mm-hmm. who are here. We're giving them all kinds of support because for whatever reason, they think this is freakishly hard to do. Mm-hmm. So why is that? Maybe because there's nobody in their community who's said helping them set the expectation. Well, come, put your game out there. We're trying to do that, right? Come, put your game out there. You'll get some critique. Take that. Decide what you want to do with it. And there's, no, 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 I have to be a success or it's going to be, a f- if it's not everything's perfect, then I'm, I'm going to be a failure. Well, that's not a reasonable thing to be thinking of, is it? Yeah. Keith and I actually both know somebody um, who's, who's here at the con. And this is an award-winning RPG writer. Okay, this this woman has already won an any. Okay, and she's here playtesting though uh, a game for herself. It's her first, you know, doing everything herself as opposed to writing for someone else. And she was completely freaking out. And I said to her, you know, oh my god, I'm like, come on, you've got this. And she's like, but it's the first time for me and my first time making mechanics. I can write a setting or an adventure or whatever, but I never made mechanics before all this other stuff. I like, look, one of two things are going to happen. Okay, your playtests are going to go great, which is yay, 
Your playtest is going to go awful, in which case then you're going to learn what to do and you're going to fix it because you can, in which case then you're still going to be fine. So either way, you're going to be fine. And she's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I think I know who you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I, I actually had that same conversation. And uh, my first play test here actually was much the same. It was mm-hmm. like my high test and I got absolutely butchered and skewered. And I completely rewrote the game in the next day and it's shown for it. And it's the game that I'm selling today. Like it was absolutely the worst case scenario. No one had fun. My sheets basically had to get thrown out and rewritten. But... Eh, it was all right. Sometimes a bad play test can be the best thing that can happen to you. Just don't let the jerk side of your brain tell you that then you are a failure. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Impo- like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Imposter syndrome can really hold you back in other ways. Um, like I met Avi and Vinny through my media company, Twist Gaming, and she knew that I got hired with Jellybean Games and I've been there for about a year. And I was asking her questions relating to manufacturing and she goes, well, you have all these contacts uh, like Kurt at Smirk and Dagger and mm-hmm. Zev from uh, WizKids that you can ask. And I, you know, I confided in her that I'm a little self-conscious about you know, telling them that I'm also working with a manufacturer or publisher now because I feel like I won't be taken seriously in one role or another. And Abby says to me, you know, if you were a horticulturist and you were doing that job and also writing a blog about it, no one would think differently about it. No one would have a problem with it. You'd actually be more qualified to speak of it. So why are you holding yourself back? And exactly. I realized that she was right. And it's, mm-hmm. I would not have done this panel before I spoke to her. <laughs> yeah, so no, that, that, that would, yeah, that would so totally be like extra credits exactly. in your column. Yeah. So that's one of the things that Beth was talking about, having the two sides of your brain talking with each other. It's something that I've had a lot of experience with in various things in my life. I find something that, especially when I'm broaching something new, I'm about to step over some new threshold. I say, man, I, I can't do that. You know, maybe in five years I'll be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Like in three months, there's an opportunity to do that. Oh, what do I do now? And I do it, and I survive, and I do well at it. And so when I get to those periods when oh my God, this, this terrible, crazy thing is happening, I don't know what to do about it. I can sometimes get the rational side of my brain to talk to the emotional side of me and calm me down and say, well, but you survived all these things before. You did okay at them. That'll probably happen again. And you, you were mentioning Kurt, one of the, the games that I, I had a high test on today, I only started designing maybe a, a year or so ago. But it's been going really well, and playtesters have loved it, and people want it in every school in the country. I said, oh, well, that's really awesome. That's cool. Um, I talked to Kurt just a little bit about it at DexCon. He said, you know, that game really needs to go to ChiTag. And I said, I don't even know what ChiTag is. So I looked it up while we were talking. You know, after we finished talking, it's the Chicago Toy and Game Week. And I had never heard of it. It's like New York Toy and Game Fair, but bigger, it seems. And they've got tracks for new inventors and, and published inventors. And I think, wow, that looks really awesome. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And then I looked, and wow, and re- registration itself costs $1,200. No, uh, okay, that's, that's not for me. And then I realized I was self-talking myself out of that. And that probably was exactly where this game needs to go. And so I went through, I mean, just like you went through a bunch of stuff, and you ended up being here on this panel, mm-hmm. and you did too, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing that same thing. I, I'm an introvert. I don't like, I help people with things. I don't usually ask for help. I took the step of setting up a GoFundMe to try to build some funds in, to do this because it falls right in the middle of November. So right after this and right before PAX Unplugged, both of which I'm committed to, I, I can't do this. Yeah, I can. Okay, let me figure out how to do this. And so the result is I had a high test today. It was absolutely fantastic. I've, I've talked with my husband. We worked it out and through a lot of friends and family and stuff. 
I'm going to try tech. I'm still scared as heck about doing this. <laughs> this is something completely out of the realm of anything I've done before, but I'm talking to myself, so, well, I've done scary things before. What's different? This is just a con. I'm going to a con, like I've gone to other cons before. I'll be talking with some uh, game, okay, so it's Hasbro. It's not just uh, a Kurt Covert at Smirk and Dagger who I can treat as a friend now. It's, it's bigger and better than that. And maybe my game will be really successful. It'll go worldwide. That'd be awesome. But it won't do that if I don't get it there. And so I'm calming myself down constantly and saying, okay, I can do this. I can do this because I'm looking at all my past experiences of having, I'm still here. I'm here today because I've survived everything I've gone <laughs> through before this. Two, sorry. Okay. Two pieces of advice that my therapist gave me when I was dealing with stuff like this um, was, uh, first one was, well, Doug, let's imagine that you actually liked yourself. <laughs> um, and you were your friend and came to yourself and said, hey, I'm thinking this, this, and this. What would you say to yours? What would you say to a friend who said this? I said, well, I would say this, 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 and this. He said, okay. So, I said, right, but my friends are great people. <laughs> um, so trying to internalize that and saying, how, how would I talk to someone who I actually like? Um, and when that didn't work, um, <laughs> his suggestion was that, that voice in your head that says, uh, you know, the one that woke me up uh, before Unpub two years ago saying, what are you doing here? Like, you're a fraud. <laughs> God, you wasted $70 on a table? You stupid piece of shit. No one's gonna like, your game is broken. Oh my God, just go home. Um, giving that voice a very funny and stupid voice Seriously, yeah. it's fucking magical. Um, suddenly, when when it sounds like a small child talking to you, or whatever the most absurd, ridiculous thing you can think of is, Kermit the Frog here. Right? Hey, you do not bring Kermit into this. <laughs> um, you know, when it's like when it, it's this absurd, comical voice telling you, "You're stupid." You're like, "We're good here." Yeah, no. <laughs> At least I don't sound like that. Um, <laughs> un unbelievably helpful. So you could try both. You could try actually liking yourself. You could try... One of the other. Yeah, or both. I don't Pretty know. Um, Whatever gets you through. Yeah, <laughs> both of those. I was going to say two. More so. Sorry. Uh, didn't mean to. Sorry. No. Um, Stop I, saying you're sorry when you're not really. Just, just well, I didn't mean to step away as ending. I, yeah, sorry. Anyway. Yeah, how many times did you say you're sorry? I'm not sure. Um, so, so two things tag, tagging on to that, one of which is <clears throat> uh, going on to the whole thing about not liking yourself and everything else. I highly recommend, if you haven't read it, the book The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It is a tiny little book, and by that I mean it is this thick, and it's only that big. It's a tiny square book. Uh, it's based on Toltec wisdom, and uh, one of the agreements is um, uh, do not take anything personally. Okay, as far as criticism, and that kind of ties into what you were saying with the you know being stupid or anything else. Because one of the points is is that um, if if you are completely confident in your ability to do something, like if you know you are a really good cook, okay, and somebody walks up to you and is like, "You don't know how to boil water," you're just going to look at them weird, and it's like, "Well, I don't know how to do anything," and you're not going to take it personally. But if you have a wound on something, and somebody pricks it. Oh my God! They found out, and neither necessarily true. 
it's that it's that the other person's opinion has nothing to do with you but it just so happens it's triggering your own wound mm -hmm. so it's learning to not to first of all to recognize that you're being triggered and to not take their opinion personally because let's face it if you know you're good at this and they say something you can laugh it off same goes with anything else so that was uh that was one point and then the other one is kind of key to what both of you said <clears throat> when your brain is telling you this you're great at being able to talk yourself down from that stuff and you know you had your therapist or anything else i suck at talking myself down from this stuff and it's which is funny because i was a life coach for a while um but this is where good friends can come in handy because if you have the people that you can trust and go to when you're having that moment of panic, that moment of crisis, everything else. A few weeks ago, I was just having a rough time. My, the jerk side of my brain was acting up. And Abby reached out to me. And she's like, so why are you being so hard on my friend Beth? Because she would never put up with you treating, your, treating me the way that you are treating yourself. And it was like, oh, shit, she's right. <laughs> you know. So if you have a good friend that, you know, you can, can talk sanity to you or help, you know, help you see what you're missing at the moment, that, or, or a good therapist, whatever, you know. But... <laughs> Uh, your uh, your point earlier about uh, chai tag. Um, there's a I, I was uh, oddly enough at a sex education panel uh, by Dr. Lindsay Doe, and one of my favorite lines from her was, "Stop obsessing over what you can't do." Right? You know, there's how many experts around here, and how many things, and you want to know how they became experts is they were beginners at these things, right? And they were beginners because they tried, and they failed, and they failed, and they tried, and they failed again. You're going to screw up, but you're going to learn and you're going to grow. And eventually people are going to come to you as an authority. And then you're going to say, what the hell? I have nothing to add here. <laughs> but Except that you do. Exactly. <laughs> the only mistake is not learning from your mistakes. So I'm going to, we've all talked a lot about things that we've overcome. And what, despite the fact that we raised our hands and said, yeah, we've suffered imposter syndrome. We've talked some about the things we've actually done. And I'm going to finish this up with Nicole and something she's doing that's gonna help some of this. But before that, I wanna go around to all of you and find out what you've been doing that, that's awesome and how you've worked yourself out of uh, feeling like you're an imposter or worked yourself out of being arrogant, for those of you who claim that. I'm still fighting it. Um, dealing with personal stuff at home things like that doesn't help when you come into a con. Like tomorrow I'm doing my high test for the role playing game. And I've presented this game before. I know that everybody loves the world and I plugged it into a system that's actually uh, an open gaming license so the system works. But I'm terrified at the same time. Primarily because of the stuff that's going on at home exacerbating the issue of approaching these professional designers to tear apart my game. And that's largely what I'm expecting to have happen is it's just going to be completely wrecked and, and destroyed by the end of it. <coughs> but I'm going to try and I'm going to be there even if I'm stuttering through the, the story. So I'm kind of forcing myself to do it rather than dealing with it in any way, shape, or form. I'm just it's really powerful to make you put yourself into a vulnerable position, which you're doing when you're playtesting, when you're already 
in a vulnerable position because of life care issues or things going on at home or your health or whatever else. So yeah, a lot of us are facing those kinds of things and pushing through in one area and having some success makes everything a little bit better. I would add real fast though, watch out for your expectations. You said you're expecting them to rip it to shreds or tear it apart, whichever phrase that you used. <coughs> try not to have expectations and try not to project the worst. Life goes bad here. Yeah. yeah. Death. <laughs> I, uh, you know, about a month ago, I think it peaked. I was like, man, I'm going to this Metatopia because I've gone to panels like a Gen Con in the past and, you know, I put my game in front of my friends and they're supportive of me, but at the same time, I've been playing this so long, I don't even think it's fun anymore. I don't even know if it's a game or if it's just this random. And then I came to this strange sense of like, it was like a high of clarity. I'm like, oh yeah. It works enough. Whatever state it's in, it will be fine. People will give me feedback and they will tell me what doesn't work or what, you know, give me ideas for how to change it and make it better. It's like, oh yeah, nice. it's already a thing and it can be changed, but like thinking about how many different problems there could be isn't helpful at all. And I, it has been kind of great in this last two days where I don't know what it is. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm here now. We're all just people. Mm -hmm. And if it totally bombs the others on flames, like whatever. I mean, I, that's a direction. As opposed to this stasis of, what will people think of it? Oh dear God, will it ever be? And it's like, oh wait, it needs to just land before it can like take off in another direction. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so this is my first time doing anything game design related, really. I'm a music student, which is a whole other thing. Classical <laughs> music and watch. I was going to be one of those one time. <laughs> That's why my game is music related. But, oh, cool. Uh, I just, just before this panel, I came out of our first playtest, which went really well, and it was really awesome to see that it has evolved so far, and like things came up in the playtest that went really well that hadn't gone well before, and I think we solved them well, and it was just oh, was awesome. really nice feeling. Yay. <laughs> So I still deal with imposter syndrome all the time. Every podcast I publish is the episode that everybody's going to figure it out. And you're like, oh, this is a sham. What are you doing? Get out of here. But um, the thing that I do that is helpful is a lot of times, Doug's, I gave it a name. It came up last Metatopia because I my name got written wrong on a panel description. So James Stormer became a thing. <laughs> and over the course of the weekend, that became the name that I gave to the feelings of imposter syndrome. And ever since then, it was like, oh, that's James Stormer. That dude's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that dude. That dude, is out, that dude is out to get me. And he's my nemesis. And so it became, it became a thing of like, oh, I'm hearing that voice of like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, you're a sham art. Like, all those things. I'm like, no, fuck you, James Stormer. Get out of here. Go home. Cool. And like, it's just... <clears throat> giving that an embodied thing that I can then refute and say, no, you're shit, go away, <laughs> mm -hmm. is helpful. Mine is Stamford. Good name. Yeah. Some think that's a really dumb name for <laughs> Anybody else? I think we're all a blend of arrogance and imposter syndrome suffering. And it wasn't, it was seven and a half years ago um, that I had um, a turning point in my life and it had me realize no matter what happens to you, you know, ultimately unless, unless you've died or unless something has physically affected you in a dramatic life-changing way, it's going to be okay. You know, when, when we do what we do, 
you know, at this place this convention, what's the worst thing going to do to you? They'll say, no, I didn't particularly care for it. Like, that's the worst. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, when I say I'm arrogant, I, I go back and forth. I, you know, and, and when we measure success, I mean, you know, we're all different, so we should all have, I think, Nicole? Yeah. Uh, you, you had a very good point when you said that um, when the way we measure success is different from individually, and, and when we keep, uh, when we keep track of the progress we've made, <coughs> what we do, you know, I don't really expect any of my games to ever be published. I don't care. Um, I enjoy seeing people enjoy what me and some of the people I work with do, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's fun. So, nice. I mean, that's what we are. We are designing fun for other people. <laughs> that's what we're doing. I just, I just noticed he's wearing the perfect imposter syndrome shirt. It says NPC. <laughs> but you're welcome at my party anytime. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Just don't maim me or kill me or anything. <laughs> Anybody else? Recently, my first game was on Kickstarter. We successfully funded, and I just keep thinking about how we barely funded, and complaints that the publisher, changes the publisher made, or how it was run. And whenever family or friends would say, oh, congratulations on that, I have to hold that out. Oh, thank you. But I constantly think this could have been so much better. It shouldn't have been what it was, instead of, you know, just reveling that I am now a published designer. So you can do both things, right? So you can make sure that you take the time for that congratulatory step. Yeah, we actually did this. Okay, now next time, it's going to be even better. Instead of worrying about this time it wasn't, next time it will be. Yeah, flip the so script. Things now, so we're better than we were when we started. Yeah, flip the script from, oh my God, I did that, to now next time I'll do this. Look at all the things I've learned. <laughs> Nobody else has to say anything. Anybody <laughs> want to? I'm going to pivot to Nicole then. Okay. Uh, Nicole's doing something really cool that I, I want to hear more about. She's doing a panel on Sunday about this, so you can hear a lot more so about it if you like this. I think part of my um, imposter syndrome comes from the fact that I, you know, us women were in the minority in this in this uh, group, and Jellybean Games is starting a. Um, a scholarship to kind of combat that geared specifically toward women um, Abby is helping us out and Cardboard Edison and we have access to really awesome established game designers who are willing to help mentor women in this industry to kind of um, help us be as good as we can be and we're really proud of that we're really excited so we have a panel on Sunday at uh, 1 o'clock in the room over there and it's an open table and we kind of we're welcoming anyone who has anything to suggest or anything to pitch in about or anyone who's interested in in talking about how it can apply to them we'd love to have everyone there so anybody who could benefit from the scholarships or anybody who could help the scholarship program so that kind of applies to everybody in the room so if you're interested in helping out or being part of this you've got an, an invitation to come listen and hear more about this thing any last comments from everybody i think we're just about out of time well, aren't you on a panel about hurry up and uh, go ahead, get done and finish your game? Yeah. Yes. So I plugged that panel because that panel is, is coming <laughs> up, was it tomorrow or Sunday? Um, yeah. It's a panel called, uh, uh, it, I, the, the exact title escapes me because it's entirely too late, but essentially just publish your game. Um, <laughs> We, we, we all we all know people and we have been that people I have been that people uh, who have worked on a baby for three four five years right 
Um, and we just said, you know, the best way to get better is to make mistakes and learn. Well, if I've been publish if I've been publishing this game for five years, and I never put it in front of anyone, I never release it, I never show it to anyone, no one ever gives me feedback, I'm not going to learn anything. I'm just going to keep making the same mistakes forever, polishing this thing until I think it's perfect. And then how many years could I have spent making better things, learning about how I messed up the first time? And uh, action can end in imposter syndrome. Get moving. Exactly. Get the game out. Get it done. Learn from your mistakes and make the awesome thing that you can make. I was trying to look up a quote and it wasn't coming back. <laughs> I remember who said it, it was something like fail faster. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's it. Well, that was Google's philosophy. I don't know if they're still doing it, but Google was founded under the concept of fail faster. They would rather burn through ideas. Which doesn't work for everything. No, but, right. But, but you know, but for some things, especially for, for prototypes, mm-hmm. the more you get it out there and, and open yourself up to failing, the more you're going to learn from it. The better it's going to be. The faster it's going to be. Done. It worked for Wave. Yep. That was a Google Wave. Big pile of. Um, no I think all of you have said um, said everything better than I know at this point how to say not that I can that's your imposter that's that's the I don't know I I can't tell that any better than everyone else no that I would have said a lot of the things that you said and they would have been good but um, you can share Sure. Uh, if you all want to hear me say the same stuff over again, well, thanks, um, for confirm- over thanks for confirming how good we were. Yeah, exactly. that's that's what I'm saying here. Um, I think working with other people in the industry and keeping in mind that all of the people who you think are better than you at this either, at the very least, were worse than you are now at this at one point in their design career or experience. Um, and many of them are as anxious and nervous about all of this stuff, um, if not more, than you are now. Very nice last words. Thank you, Love it. everybody. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you.